Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, as many of you know, Behind the Bits won the Discover Pods 2020 Annual Awards for Best Interview Style Podcast. My great guests got us in the finals, but your votes gave Behind the Bits the win. Thank you so much for your votes and support of the podcast. I pledge to keep bringing you interviews with great comedians that will take you inside the world of stand-up comedy. Thank you. I got Dwight Simmons with me. How you doing, Dwight? Good, brother. How are you doing, man? I'm really glad to have you. I know some of these questions, but I'm, I have to ask them anyway. Where are you from, Dwight? I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. That's in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Grew up in Indianapolis. Went to uh, school at, at IU in Bloomington, and that's uh, where I started comedy. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And thinking about starting comedy when you were at Bloomington, obviously when you're in at IU Bloomington, anybody that knows about IU knows that they have the comedy attic, which is one of the most respected comedy clubs in the country. Um, and people, people don't get that, but I hear, um, comics like Todd glass being interviewed and he's like, they ask what his favorite club is. It's a comedy attic. Stuart right. Huff. It's a comedy attic. Everybody yeah. loves it. So you've got that there. And I, I imagine that maybe you went to a show there and got the bug when you were doing that. Definitely. I mean, it was, uh, when it first opened, it was a, a funny bone until Jared turned it into the comedy attic to bring in those bigger names that yeah. everyone wanted to see. Uh, which was really cool um, and experiencing comedy in a nice intimate setting. Uh, the energy is just unmatched in there. And that's why you hear these big name comics uh, say things like that. And that's how it's, that's how it's gained the national recognition on top of just like always being able to bring someone to a club right before they blow up. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. So thinking about your first set, so what, um, first of all, when you were a kid, who, who were your comedy influences? Who did you watch that made you think that comedy is pretty cool? Uh, everybody, like I was pretty much obsessed with comedy. Stand up was always on in my house. Uh, grew up in a house where everyone had their own TV, uh. not only in the living room, but also in your room. So yeah. I would always be watching whether it was premium blend or comic view or uh, I got really into old stuff like Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Uh, I found the Kings of comedy. I found Eddie Murphy. Um, and then I got into people like Maria Bamford and uh, yeah. So I watched everybody. I was just really a big comedy nerd, a fan of uh, not just one particular style of comedy, but uh, the art form as a whole mm-hmm. was really drawn to. So 
uh, and that obsession kind of just uh, keeps you in it until you're old enough to go see it live. Yeah. And that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Uh, watching someone on TV versus watching someone live. It's just a completely different experience. Um, and when I started, uh, my whole thing was I'm just going to keep studying and uh, taking uh, taking cues from what people do well, uh, physicality, what's the difference between um, like a host and a headliner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and then just trying to apply that to my sets every day that I did. Yeah. What was yeah. your... Um, uh- First off, I got to ask everybody who names Kings of Comedy. I always got to ask who your favorite was. <laughs> oh, it's Bernie. Yeah, <laughs> almost uh, everybody says Bernie. They it's yeah. Bernie and then Cedric right under him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. People don't realize Steve Harvey was is, was filthy in that comedy. I know he hosts Family Feud, but yeah. the dude, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's come a long way from. Uh, Throwing the f bomb around. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Yelling survey said, "That's the American dream, right there." <laughs> so, what was your first time like? Where did you go up your first time? Uh, my first time, I was in, uh, I was in high school actually, um, at a talent show. Um, I guess this counts as my first time. I really just. Uh, like I said, watched a ton of comedy and then just took those jokes and tried to do them in high school without the curse words. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, obviously didn't go well. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, once the comedy attic opened when I was in college, um, I would I went to the first open mic there and then just tried to like continuously keep doing it um, there. So, uh, yeah, I think like most people's first times, first couple of times it's just you think it's good but it's just awful like i wouldn't watch it today yeah without like growing up you know it's funny uh i i have to pay attention to social media because it's part of what i do for the podcast but there's all these groups out there now that are giving advice to comedians um and and brand new ones and which is great because having that resource is fantastic but this guy posted that he's getting ready to do his first open mic and should he bring people or should he not bring people um (laughs) he knows it's going to be terrible and people were giving him advice in that thread and i finally had to get on and say dude it's your first time first off don't think it's going to be terrible have yeah. some fun, invite whoever you want and right. just have fun and yeah. don't worry about any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Rip off the bandaid. You're probably doing three to five minutes. Yeah. Um, and you're, you know, just stay focused. And a lot of places you don't have an option if it's your first time they make you bring people. Yeah. So, yeah. No doubt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to like an independent show, your first time, just go have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just focus on, um, <laughs> just focus on saying words out loud on stage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the biggest hurdle being yeah. able to do that. And all the other stuff comes later. Yeah. Okay. Now I like to switch gears a little bit because this is something I just, every time I talk to somebody, I ask them this, are you, um, inspired by any books that you're reading right now, music you're listening to podcast articles, has anything, you know, jumped out at you and, you know, flipped on that light bulb for you? That's a good question. 
Um, I always try to find inspiration in um, things outside of comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doing it in a pandemic is exceedingly tough. You spend so much energy um, worried about politics and worried about, uh, you know, your health and your family self and stuff like that. So it's been a little bit more difficult, but uh, just go back to the basics. Like I was a, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan of, uh, yeah. 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 So like his whole outlook on life, I find uh, inspiration in that. Uh, It's really just a uh, taking comfort in who you are as a person and knowing that um, so that you can go and deal with um, these other things that may be out of your control in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the podcast. Uh, um, good one. It's a podcast about jokes as well, or they just break down a joke. It, it really uh, is that. good. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. That's one of the first ones I found when I started doing comedy. Yeah. 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 That one's great. That's great. My girlfriend got me a book called creative quest, uh, by, uh, quest love, the drummer for the roots, uh-huh. uh, which is, uh, I like it, but it's also like he's he's so prominent that some of his examples of how to find creativity are just kind of outlandish and wild. Yeah. They don't work for the average human being that yeah. have those resources. Yeah, when uh, you have your entire day and your entire week to devote to creativity, it's a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. When you're very well connected. Yeah. Not everyone can call Dave Chappelle and be like, hey, you want to do some stand up at this block party? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, the last question I do for the rapid round is, uh, what's your favorite, uh, comedy album or, or special like Netflix special. And instead of just one, I like to ask for like your top three, what are your top three favorites? Top three specials. Wow. That's tough. Um, let's see. I'll just say the first ones that come to my head, probably, um, Killing Them Softly by Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. number one. Number two is probably Kid Gorgeous by John Mulaney. And one. number three, uh, that's so hard. Number three is probably Bigger and Blacker by Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a tough question because yeah. that could change tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And those <laughs> those are definitely comedy. solid like, choices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I really like the Ali Wong's first uh, first special uh-huh. that she did on Netflix. Uh, I forget what it's called, but that one comes to mind too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so before we uh, go off live, I got several people watching. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Is there anything going on with you that people should know? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm about to announce that I am helping with this fundraiser called the Indiana Independent Venue Alliance. So we're trying to raise a bunch of money for these independent venues, a lot of which I've performed at in uh, Indiana uh, so that they can help you know, deal with the COVID crisis and uh, kind of keep their staff on. So probably going to announce that tomorrow. Um, if you don't follow me, please do so on Instagram or Facebook. It's just Dwight underscore underscore Simmons um, because we need the help and support to keep these venues in business. Yes. 
Cool. Great. Yeah, make sure you uh, tag me on stuff so I can get the word out there for you too. Happily, happily. Let's let's get into your style of comedy because I was uh, really impressed. So you get a point across without um, making white people mad um, <laughs> in most cases, and yeah. and I wonder how you came across that and how you are different now from like when you started. Yeah, um, yeah, it's an interesting way of uh, looking at it. probably that just from my upbringing going to a, um, you know, from a predominantly black neighborhood to Carmel, Indiana, which is predominantly white, mm-hmm. having both of those experiences as a kid and needing to use humor to kind of navigate through those waters um, definitely applies to how I deal with working out jokes or working out comedy our issues are, um, you know, uh, especially when it comes to race, um, I don't, it's not my goal to, uh, preach, although that definitely happens. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the goal, the first goal should be to be funny and then you'll be able to, uh, you know, get your point across in a way that's a little bit more powerful palatable right and then yeah the i feel like i've evolved that uh over the years since i've started uh maybe more nuance is only because i've i'm older and probably more experienced and uh more knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about um so probably just a little bit more careful and uh um probably more intentional than i was when i first started Right. It's still a silliness, carefreeness, but uh, I do like to talk about issues like politics and race and things that may be uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, um, you're that, really good at sandwiching that within the silliness so that it, mm-hmm. I guess it tempers it. So um, old white people like me get the message, yeah. um, <laughs> but we're still laughing. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, right. And, you know, I like to consider myself pretty woke, but most of the people that um, go to a comedy club in Elkhart, Indiana, aren't, right. aren't quite so, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> and and yeah. you really, you know, that night, you know, really brought down the house. Everybody was, uh, you know, just having a great time. Everybody laughed and it was it was really a good show for you. So um, I... You know, I think of a specific bit of yours, um, like the breakup bit, you know, um, yeah. how, how, how did that come across? Because you do a lot, it's a lot of, uh, like relationship stuff and yeah. race stuff and everything all rolled into one. How did you mm-hmm. put that together? Um, I'm trying to remember the bit you're talking about the, um, cause I have a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, the first, the first, uh, uh, it's like breakup stories. And the first one is, uh, oh, yeah. um, yeah. um, uh, who, 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 who was Malcolm X anyway? Yeah. Um, and that's the end of that one. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That was uh that's a true story that really happened to me. So I just needed, uh, it was just so wild. You know, we live in our, I guess bubble, but that just seemed so insane to me that, a person my age of a similar educational background 
no matter what race, just wouldn't know who Malcolm X was. <laughs> uh, this blew my mind. And it's uh, stuff like that. I feel like you just have to talk about just that's another thing where you're like, if I told you the story, you wouldn't you would be like, that didn't happen. <laughs> like, yeah. <because> one <laughs> would be that ridiculous. And so that was like a um, uh, a a starting point and a bigger chunk that I wanted to work through, which is how people deal with getting through breakups. Mm. Uh, I like to write in bits and then just kind of roll a chunk together, uh, you know, so that and if I'm doing 45 minutes, maybe I have like seven chunks. Mm. Um, all right. We're going to talk about breakups and race. And then we're we'll talking about, you know, the gym, but how does that relate back to the first two things that I did? And, uh, that, you know, sets you up to have a good callback at the end or, um, yeah, but I, yeah, it's funny because with that bit in particular, uh, people would come up to me and be like, you're not going to believe what happened to me the last time I had sex. I was like, I didn't want any of that yeah. uh, <laughs> information. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing about being a comic is after the show the people just think they can tell you their life story and yeah. all the sordid details it's it's, yeah. it's crazy so if you're good at what you do then they're you're a friend to them yeah you're a friend right because you're personable and they feel like they know you a little bit because you've talked about yourself and your beliefs so yeah that opens them up, especially after the show, to go, hey, we're just talking to a buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like being a bartender, but, like, up one notch from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done both, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so thinking about when you started and you really said, okay, this is something I want to do. First off, what were you studying at IU? I was studying kinesiology. All right. And, yeah. And English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two completely different uh, things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to be like a uh, athletic trainer, like a sports team, mm -hmm. something like that. And then I always have loved writing, uh, even like, probably as early as fourth grade, just like to write um, and just thought that was, was the best fit for me mm -hmm. as a person that can't do math yeah. very well. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because, uh, did you graduate in 2009? Uh, 2010, 2010. So you yeah. were, um, you were there your senior year when my daughter was in her junior years, okay. no, not her junior, her freshman year. So okay. I, I think that's, it's just crazy. It makes me really <laughs> feel old. <laughs> But yeah, um, so thinking about when you're, you know, you're starting to do the comedy and you want to do it serious, what, what was it that made you take that leap and say, okay, I'm going to be a comedian now? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I was doing it in college and, um, I graduated and thought like I was just done with this hobby that I had because I, you know, had to get a real job and like introduce myself to the world yeah. and I really wasn't doing it that seriously in school. Um, like I wasn't like I maybe hosted a couple weekends. Um, I maybe did some guest sets, but nothing really where I could be like, I'm 
developing this craft. Um, but in like my first year, I moved to Chicago uh, with my girlfriend at the time, got this job in sales uh, <laughs> that I hated. I was selling material safety data sheets. All right. Uh, yeah, the software. MSDS, yeah. baby. Yeah. How <laughs> exhilarating. <laughs> you got to love it. Would you like software to organize your acetone spreadsheet? Uh, <laughs> some school janitors is like, why is this your job? <laughs> I'm like, are you guys hiring for sure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that job made me miserable. I wasn't in a healthy relationship at all. Um, so that just kind of all fell apart at once. And then I was like, um, I just decided to go, you know, do an open mic uh, in Chicago. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, this is this is what I need to be doing. So after uh, I got laid off from that job and then uh, uh, broke up with my girlfriend, uh, I decided that I was going to take a full run at doing stand up. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. man. I dedicated, you know, several days a week. Um, to either, you know, riding or driving uh, throughout the state of, as I'd moved back to Indiana, driving throughout the state to do shows. Mm. It wasn't like it is now where, you know, there are several different open mics and showcases and more independent things um, that are very uh, useful to comedians now. Mm. Uh, I think we just had two clubs and then, a uh, show on Sunday that was a book show that you could go hang out on, you know, maybe do it a couple times a year, but nothing really consistent. Yeah. So it was just a lot of hustle, but when you're fired up and new, the hustle's super easy. Mm. So you're happy to go out of town and lose money just to do some time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, so once I got full back into it, um, I feel like I started to move up. Uh, pretty quickly, like I started to MC at the clubs here, got back into, you know, going to check out shows at the attic. Um, so I was uh, working my way back in there and then doing just random one nighters um, where I could just, like stretch time that I didn't have yet. <laughs> you know, how very, like, you got 30 minutes. You're like, sure. And you're yeah. like, so, <laughs> I'll figure it out once I get there. <laughs> So, yeah, doing, you know, shows in rural Midwestern towns, like going up to Wisconsin and going to Martinsville, Indiana, and trying to survive. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it definitely shapes your style of comedy. It shapes, uh, like, there's, I kind of pride myself now on being able to, you know, perform in any room, no matter mm -hmm. the demographic or where it is. Yeah. Because um, I've proven to myself that I can do that. Yeah, that's. So. I mean, if you can make it in Martinsville, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I got I got that uh, framed now. That quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my it's on my vision board. Yeah. I mean, I, you, 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 go, man. I just I I. It's so funny because uh, my wife and I were always late to uh, 
get a hotel um, yeah. when there was something going on at IU, like graduations and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So we always ended up in Columbus or oh, Martinsville. No. Oh, and no. We, yeah. if we had the choice, we'd always go to Columbus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if we got stuck in Martinsville, we, we knew it was going to be ugly. And yeah. uh, the, those hotels there are just, I mean, yeah, they're shitholes for one thing, but the yeah. the other thing is there's always a, like a bridal shower or something going on or, right. um, a actual wedding and you just see the people and it's like, man, you guys are like yeah. from the forties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> you could just drive the 35 minutes to downtown Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be in Martinsville. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do this to yourself. Yeah. I'm glad we don't do it anymore. (laughs) So thinking about um, what you were doing as far as, so you're leaning into it and you're starting to do the shows and stuff like that. Um, What was it that got you into making the decision to make that first album, the uh, pacifist aggressive? Oh yeah. That's uh, so it's probably, you know, six years in mm-hmm. um and i even when i wasn't doing comedy i i never really stopped writing uh jokes and working them out and i had uh you know that accumulation of that first six years of just all right refining material mm-hmm. uh but i really wasn't writing like big new stuff so the first thing was I had just moved to New York uh, so that I could work on material mm-hmm. um, and new stuff. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I um, got the bits I wanted and been working on for six years. I wanted to make sure that I got them down. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I found out that you can just self-produce your own album. There's not really a consequence of doing that. You're taking a risk, but, um, you know, teaching yourself how to do all the things like, you know, get it on all the uh, streaming platforms and mm-hmm. doing the recording and the producing and cutting tracks and stuff like that. You can teach yourself how to do all that. And uh, I just felt like it was really time. And then, um, I kind of scheduled out, you know, 10 days to where places would let me run the 45, you know, 50 minute set mm-hmm. uh, just so that I could have it down when it was time to record. Um, because what I found out when I moved to New York is that uh, there's very few places if you're trying to uh, make a name for yourself. You don't want to be working on new material. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never know an audience. So you want that grade A killer stuff. Yeah. But for me, that really wasn't um, fulfilling uh, that need to grow as a comic. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, just timing and uh, a little bit of preparation. Uh, I just felt like I had a strong 45 minutes that I could put on a record. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. And then just so I can move on to the next thing. Yeah. It, it, it was strong. I really, I really liked it. So did you actually do uh, physical copies of it? I did, but only like a hundred. Yeah. So yeah, mostly digital. 
I really wanted to push um, people to go buy it on online. Mm. Um, I mean, that's when it was still uh, profitable for people to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not so much anymore. Um, but yeah, we really wanted uh, that number one on iTunes thing. It was really important to me. So mm. to people to go buy it uh, digitally. So that's how people listen to stuff anyway. So yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I also didn't want like 500 CDs in my car forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't really give a CD away anymore. No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone under 25 know what a CD is? You know? Yeah, I know. I was cleaning up. I was cleaning up this area where I do the podcast, and I found like four or five unopened CDs that I had, and yeah, it's like. You know, like, what am I going to do with these? Yeah, the stuff's on Spotify. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So thinking about what you did after that, so you you've got all this material, um, and you put it together. You put the album out. Uh, you know, what was the next step after that? I mean, did. Mm-hmm was was did that give you some confidence to say hey i'm gonna really go for this and get a whole bunch of new material and be a big star or what was what was the next step um yeah the next step was just to start working on the next hour um the next you know thing uh i've never really made a decision that's like i've never made a decision based solely on let me go to try chase fame mm-hmm. just probably why i don't have much but also it's like it's not any it's not like a career goal of mine like i wanted to i still want to do late night i still want to uh do all these things but um i want to make good material and i want to keep myself engaged and um I, my goal even with moving to new york and ultimately moving back was um, I want to put myself in a position to be the strongest comic I can be. Um, and that includes having fun and, um, you know, growing as a person mm-hmm. and relating that to my material. Uh, hopefully if you come to one of my shows by the end of it, you're like, okay, I have a little bit of an idea of who that person is. And, you know, uh, so that's always been the number one goal so when i was working on putting together my next hour it kind of just happened a little bit faster Mm -hmm. uh, just because i you know i was fully focused on uh that being the goal Mm -hmm. just you know writing and working out stuff right so as far as your writing's concerned do you have like a um uh, like a writing habit, like you get up every morning and you write X amount of hours or whatever, or does it just come to you and you go as, as it comes? Yeah. I've tried several times to like, okay, this is going to be my writing habit. And it's just never, yeah. <laughs> it just never worked out that way. Like I'll probably, you know, get antsy here and say, I need to be writing every day and then I'll do it for, you know, a couple of weeks and then that'll be the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my favorite bits that I've done have come as riffs or um, like off the top jokes are, um, you know, just uh, 
hanging out with friends, family, and uh, real life experiences. And I think that's the best way that I write is through uh, those real life experiences and kind of being silly and trying to take as much as possible from those uh, those things. So mm-hmm. I do need to be better about sitting down and, yeah. you know, fleshing that stuff out. Um, but it's just not as fun as doing it on stage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's one of the things I noticed about you. You seem to be in the moment when you're performing uh, rather than, okay, I've got this list of jokes I'm going to do. It seems yeah. like you can move around. Have Have you ever come up with like a golden joke, just like right up there on stage and uh, at least the premise of it and was able to turn that into something? Um, yeah, I have my, uh, my black atheist bit Uh kind of a, was kind of a riff off of a a bit that I had where I was working out at a Christian community center. Um, I remember that joke. That's a good one. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. So that like, that's one of my favorite jokes that I've ever written, which is those like when you have a joke that's your favorite, it's never perfect in your mind like there's something else there but uh yeah that was that was one where i was just like you know what i what what do i identify as like masquerading around this christian community center around (laughs) these very stoic uh if not pompous uh, human beings, you know, shooting yeah. free throws. It's just like, I don't fit in here. <laughs> That's the furthest thing you can go from a predominantly white uh, community center for Christians. Yeah. You know, black atheists. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's my favorite way of, it, it means more because you're in the moment and, mm. um, you know, I did a, um, when I was working on my first album, I did the Bill Cosby thing um, about Bill Cosby's drug dealer. Like, where's that guy? Uh-huh. That was ripped at an open mic. Like, you know, um, he's probably, you know, I tried it several different different ways. Like, he probably has a mansion in the hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of comics like writing on stage and then going back and trying to refine it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an evolving process for me. Like I don't, I don't have one specific way. Like I'm always trying to jot down ideas and um, see what it, what comes of it. It's been a little bit more difficult with uh, COVID because I'm not going out as much. Mm. So uh, Twitter is uh, yeah. acting as a launching yeah. pad there. I'm using it more than I ever have. What do you feel about, we were on a uh, same show last week, uh, yeah. that sh- thing, the roast thing. Um, and, oh, yeah. uh, what Joe, do you think about Joe. doing, uh, the virtual stuff? Have you done very much of it? Yeah, I did quite a bit at the beginning of lockdown, uh, in replacement of shows that I lost. Hmm. Um, I, you know, it's a love hate thing. It is, you're taking what's available because it's, um, in a sense, it helps keep you sharp and mentally ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to get the, uh, the reaction of being in the room, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, 
love it. I try to do shows that are kind of like the one that we just did where it's like a different concept. Yeah. Um, and not just me talking to uh, myself in my pajamas for right, like 45 right. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I try to do like the fun, like variety shows. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to toy around with doing something regularly that I stream. Um, so I've been jotting ideas for something like that because, uh, you know, I probably won't take new shows until, uh, the, the spring because I just want to see what happens with the state of the world yeah. before I power through with, Talking about Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> I was a manager for Wendy's, by the way. That joke oh, really, that, yeah. that joke's fantastic. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, you know, thinking about that and the, and the COVID stuff, it's funny. I was starting to feel a little bit nonchalant about it uh, myself. Yeah. And my wife and I are careful because we're not, we're not, spring chickens and you know i've had pneumonia a few times and stuff like that so i we're i mean we're wearing the mask we're doing everything we can we don't eat inside um and i was just starting to get sick of it because i like to do stuff and um then all of a sudden 12 of my wife's family members had covid at the same time oh wow yeah and Jeez. it all happened within two days and they all, you know, one of them right. babysits the other one's kids and, and it just, it just it's spread like up. wildfire. And one yeah. of them is in the hospital and oh my God, you know, man. I, I see the, you know, I don't like to get on a soapbox, but I see some of these, you know, in-person comedy shows and I know some people are doing it right um, yeah. for the indoor stuff. And I know some people aren't, but no matter how you do it, you can't stop oh, yeah. people from doing stupid stuff. Um, right. Like when you're standing there coming up and giving you a hug right. and then you're putting yourself in danger, putting them in danger. So yeah. it just scares the hell out of me. Yeah. It's uh you don't know who you're in public with. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the scary part because you trust the venues. Um, but you know, when, when humans are involved in anything, it can go any yeah. amount of directions. So yeah, it's scary. I mean, uh, Indianapolis's numbers are going up as are several other States. Uh, so that's, that's why I've kind of pumped the brakes. I'm going to do the shows that I'm scheduled for. Um, to finish out the year, but I'm, I'm definitely not taking new dates. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what comedy is going to look like for me in particular in the next few months, probably more of the online stuff. So I better start to like it more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop like writing jokes or trying to do shows or, uh, doing stuff like that, but I'm not doing the in-person stuff until, uh, you know, March, April at earliest. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about something good that happened to you during the pandemic, the Bob okay. and Tom gig. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how does, how does that happen? I mean, I, I had Brent Terhune on, uh, a while back and yeah. I talked to him about it, but how, how does that happen for a comic? Um, I think most of the time you just send in a submission packet of jokes uh, that the show 
you know, might like, or just to show that you're, it's like a resume. Mm-hmm. This is what I've done. And, um, the producer of that show reached out to me and asked me for some writing samples and gave me some prompts. And I sent those back to him and, um, is I've done the Bob and Tom show already a couple times. Like, so they know who I am, which helps, I think. Um, plus I'm, uh, you know, I know pretty much everyone on that show. Uh, so, you know, doing the writing sample, I know what the show's about. I know, you know, the pacing, what jokes would work, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm not writing jokes for me, writing jokes for the Bob and Tom show. Right. So, um, they just wanted to see if I can do that. So, uh, yeah, I sent that in and, um, started a few days later. That's great. So that's always been a, uh, that's always been a thing that I've tried to work on is, uh, writing jokes for shows just in case that opportunity does come around because, you know, my comedy is a lot of, you know, race and politics and especially now, um, talking more about those things. And that's not what the Bob and Tom show is. It's silly stories yeah. and, uh, human interest pieces and stuff like that, which is also a good muscle to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been uh, that's been a great way to keep me sharp for uh, like a nightly action that I have to sit down and do that writing. Yeah, because you know? <laughs> otherwise it was it's just going on tangents and rants yeah. about my own feelings. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, remember, uh, remember to try to be funny. Yeah, I. I got to tell you, you know, I, I don't talk politics a whole lot in, yeah. in my act or even at all, but my wife and I are just having so many what the fuck moments right now that we don't, yeah. it, it's, it's just yeah. like, because, well, you know, it's, it, it's just, I, I can't believe, I, I just think that we as a, um, country we just like to be lied to and and, yeah. and we don't care and when right. it's proven to be false we're like eh, he didn't mean it that way and yeah. uh, and i i just yeah. i i don't get it but uh yeah that, that, that that's about as much rant as i can do i, <laughs> I it's high theater yeah it's it, it's totally nuts and I I absolutely feel like the whole system is rigged uh against uh the the people anyway. So yeah. um it doesn't matter who's there, we just don't need that asshole there right now. <laughs> I feel like uh I I feel like I wanna stand and say, Hell yeah, it's definitely gonna happen, but I've been let down before. So. Yeah. I've I've been in some conversations and the funny thing is is I've, I've done, uh, traveling to see the kids. So what we do is I've got one kid in Alabama and one kid in Virginia and, uh, my daughter has my grandson, so we want to see him. So we have to make sure that we've been COVID free for 14 days. So we don't get right. it to them. And then right. we like get an Airbnb, uh, somewhere like we did Kentucky this last right. time. And we get together and do that. But when I was there, I was like, I saw so many Trump flags that I, yeah. I was like, yeah, you, you guys may think this is going to be a landslide, but it's these people vote, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We'll see, man. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. So, it's, what? Getting back, I 
I don't know how much of that I'll keep in and how much I'll cut out. Um, but get, getting back um, to um, writing for Bob and Tom, when you heard one of your first bits done on Bob and Tom, what was that like? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't listen to the show. Okay. A hundred percent honesty. Uh, I enjoy the process of writing. Um, it's becoming easier to get the, the jokes, uh, on, but that's just not how I spend my mornings. Uh-huh. Uh, like I try not to do anything, um, comedy related like in the morning yeah turn that part of my brain off and even if i wake up to write it's not writing comedy mm-hmm. um, so uh it being a morning show uh, i will say it's nice has seeing my name on the credits yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's a fantastic feeling um but yeah it's it's nice because like i said before it is exercising a different type of comedy that i do and then am used to doing so i do feel like overall it will make me a uh stronger writer and a better comic right right yeah. it's funny i i lived in india in the 80s um for uh about three years and i was i was east side i was over close to washington square mall and oh, yeah. i used to listen to bob and tom religiously and that was before they yeah. were syndicated and i thought it was great and i yeah. pretty much got burnt out and i don't yeah. listen unless my wife makes me listen because she loves it she th- thinks right. it's just fantastic <laughs> and yeah. um and uh she thinks the Willie Gr- Griswold is like the funniest guy on earth. And, oh, that's so funny. and, uh, and, and he won't even talk to me about being on the podcast. I don't know what's up with that, but, um, Oh, oh the ice, the ice, <laughs> he's icing me. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. uh, it's, it's just interesting. You know, people, people who write for other people, some people really dig it. And, um, some people are, they just want to write it and get done with it. So, uh, yeah, yeah that that's that's good it was good good being completely honest about that oh no yeah i can't like i'm not (laughs) uh, i like i said my my comedy what i'd rather listen to even if i did like i like everything but um i like people that you know um talk about issues that i care about uh i'm getting a little older now so i'm like really heavy into uh, that as an art form, like specifically mm-hmm. uh, by, you know, Chris Rock's one of my favorite comics. So I love George Carlin and Richard Pryor and, um, you know, I love Wanda Sykes, mm. I love all these people. Uh, but there's an audience for everybody. There's no right or wrong way to listen to comedy. Right. It's just, uh, yeah, like hearing my, hearing one of my jokes on there isn't like a high priority yeah. for me. <laughs> or even, or even getting the like accolade of, oh, they did one of my jokes on the on the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, uh, just having the ability to to write for uh, that show is pretty awesome because, as you said, they're they're a legendary show mm. and they're still going. They're extremely good at what they do. So, yeah, uh, nothing nothing but respect and uh, really just honored to be a part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So one question has been in the back of my mind since we started talking. So your, your parents worked really hard to yeah. get you to Carmel 
and yeah. uh, <laughs> then you um, you do well in school and you go to college and then you become a comedian. What what was yeah. the reaction uh, to you wanting to do stand up comedy? Uh, it was I think surprise <laughs> and then uh, happiness. I guess uh, there's not it was the surprise came because I didn't tell my parents I was doing comedy in college. Okay. And so when I invited them to a show in Indianapolis, they're like, you do what? I <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that I've already been doing it for a couple of years. So yeah. it kind of harkens back to, I didn't invite people to my first couple of shows, but by the time I was a couple of years in, I was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't great, but I still like knew my, I knew how to take the mic out of the stand. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a couple of things. So, um, yeah, they were surprised. And then I think they came to a show, uh, here at crackers and I did well. So they were like, all right, let's, I mean, yeah, I never told them that like I wanted to do it full time. We never had that talk. Mm. I just started I just started doing shows more and more. Yeah. And then uh, I told them that I was moving to New York to uh, pursue it full time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were supportive. They said, asked me if I needed anything or, you know, they knew I wasn't happy doing sales jobs or, you right. know, trying to chase down personal training dollars. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think my parents, I'm lucky. They just want me to be happy. So I think they saw that comedy made me happy. And, um, and even to this day, they're extremely supportive about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, uh, it's, it's good to have that. I know some comics that the parents weren't too happy about it. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's called good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you want that for your child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, my dad, I'm going to Martinsville for comedy. He's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Oh man, make sure to keep the car running, whatever you yeah, do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um getting to where you would like to go, um obviously you can't do what you everything you want to do, but yeah. say in a perfect world, where would you like to take your career from from here now? Yeah, I uh it's funny because before COVID, like I had a pretty full calendar at this uh, audition for uh, Just for Laughs in Montreal. Oh, wow. I was uh, really excited about and all that got canceled and pushed. So uh, I think just reflecting over the last several months, it's I want to, um, you know, continue doing what I'm doing, uh, but on a larger scale, I definitely you know, still have that dream of doing late night. I want to put out a, uh, my next hour, you know, however many years that is, I want to do that on a, uh, major platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so once to take steps for that and I want to develop, uh, you know, my own show and own brand. So right now is, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like over the next few months. So there's a lot of, figuring that that part out of it mm. um but yeah i definitely want to make a name for myself i don't want to you know be beholden to other people yeah on shows that i find fun and so that's it's sort of like a uh 
point of building uh, kind of a fan base mm-hmm. and then building kind of a brand where you can have that sort of control. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh it's the marketing technique, thousand true followers and you're okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the true fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True fans. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um, Love that. I, I always get that wrong. And I read the book. Um, <laughs> what do you think is the best piece of advice you got uh, from somebody while you were coming up? Um, best piece of advice is probably from uh, a comic named Keith Alberstadt, who is a queen comic. And um, I think you know, his way of looking at comedy really kind of inspired my own. His, you know, his advice was just, um, you have to work hard. There's no other way around it because there are so many funny people right now that the only thing that differentiates you from all the other funny people is how hard you work a lot of the time. So um, that's been my golden rule is if, I can just, you know, kind of stay on top of things and uh, work hard. I can at least have that part of everything controlled. And then I don't turn into this bitter comic that's been doing it for a long time. That's that's a fear of mine, like doing um, when I was first traveling and doing shows with these comics that are just beaten down because they didn't get what they thought they should have or Mm. just so bitter. And I was like, I never want to be that person. Mm. I never want to be that guy that's just, (laughs) Oh, just haggard. Yeah. (laughs) It should have been me. Yeah. (laughs) Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We would have won state. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy. So, yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm lucky. I do a lot of cool stuff. Um, So, yeah, I, I kind of want to be a voice of um, reason and change and uh, the way that people look at stand-up comedy as a as an art form. Mm. Yeah. So what three things do you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? Um, <laughs> uh, always take merch with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> merch will change your life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, have patience, um, and don't, and learn how to, uh, come back after someone, uh, tells you no properly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just because someone says no once doesn't mean that's that no lasts forever. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, those three things uh, are tremendous. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. As you see people that do merch and, you know, you can quadruple your pay just by having good merch. And yeah. That, that really helps you not take every single gig, <laughs> you know, yeah. not taking every gig for money. Yeah. <laughs> you can make that up. So I think Bob Zaney perfected that. He's, he's yeah. definitely good with the merch. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so 
final question is just just for you and for me um because you're a craft beer guy uh what craft beers are you enjoying right now well right now currently i'm having a uh a marzen okay from beer here in indianapolis it is that season so i'm starting to get out of the like uh session ipas and more into the dark beers i had a uh what i have yesterday i had a I had a milk stout from um, Left Hand Brewing, which was really good. I like Left Hand stuff, yeah. Yeah. So um, it wasn't their normal one. It, was a, uh, it wasn't the nitro one, but uh-huh. okay. uh, it was really good. And, uh, yeah, I'll drink um, uh, Elvis Juice all day. It's a grapefruit IPA from BrewDog. Uh, uh, that's probably my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, did a uh, doing a vertical of uh, Dark Lords this uh, Friday with a the group of people. So oh, cool! Uh, that will I'll be resting my mind, body, and spirit and yeah. liver. For- <laughs> That's great. My yeah. son-in-law took me to a brewery. Um, I it's right outside of D.C. when I was there, and they were having a um, uh, they were like a new release. Um, and it was like, a, uh, it was a darker beer and yeah. I, I can do dark beers. I can do like one. Um, but okay. I can't, I can't do, I'm more of an IPA guy, but yeah. he told me that, um, they, they've got like 500 like mug club members and, oh, wow. um, that he will probably never ever get to be a mug club member because the waiting list is like 50,000 or something. Yeah. It's called Aslan brewing and their beer is really, really good. Um, but it's just like, it's so different because I can go into any place around here and get in their mug club, get 50 bucks and I get bigger beers, you know, it's it's really easy. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, but uh, we walked out with a lot of beer. We just didn't get everything he wanted because the mug club people got to buy right. it up. So yeah, right. <laughs> the perks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I I tell you, it's been great talking to you. Um, I hope to be able to share a beer with you sometime. Yeah, likewise, man. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck, and you know, I I like your stuff, and I like where you're going with it. So I I really uh, hope that this COVID goes away, and you can do what you want to do. Well, I appreciate it, man, and likewise, dude. I uh, I hope it goes away as well. We'll see, but in the meantime, gotta uh, stay safe and take care of each other. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thanks yeah. for being on the show, Dwight. Of course, thanks, Scott.